Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. A um, couple things here, actually. With having traveled the last number of weeks, uh, at least over the weekend, distinctly remember one or two people in the church there in Mexico City to give greetings to certain people here, but I forget who, so I'll just do it in general, I guess. Then also, if I remember correctly, I think there was a pastor, somebody in the greater Mount Sinai Church in Louisiana told, told me to give greetings to my church here too. So anyways, and I think I got that done. So anyhow, it's good to be here with you. Uh, I need your help again, so I'm going to see how good your memory is on some things. Uh, first of all, the last, I don't know that I told you this, but you should know it. What was the last thing Christ and his disciples did after they finished the supper before they went to Gethsemane? Okay, it says, uh, and when they had sung in hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Now, why did they sing right then? I don't know. Uh, I guess I don't know if you and I would come up with the same reason or not. I just thought it was sort of an interesting time to sing, really. Christ going to probably one of the most difficult times in his life, and yet to, he, with his disciples, sang a, sang a hymn before they went. So maybe that was the custom. Maybe it meant something more to him. I don't, don't know that. But it brought up a greater question is, why do we sing? So um, going on in this music thing, I don't know. Maybe you're wishing I would quit. I discovered it's a bottomless subject. So if you have you wore out, come tell me after church. It's time for you to move on. Uh, but... There's still some things fascinate me, and I've been trying to break it down into chewable portions, so we'll see, um, I guess, how well I did on that. But why do we sing? That's sort of the basic question I want to answer, or different aspects. So just quickly, why would you all say we sing? Anyone? Or don't you sing? Is that the problem? <sighs> to praise God, thank you. Any more reasons to sing? Encouragement. I'm sorry, did you, somebody else say something too? Okay, lift the spirits. Anything else? Okay, an expression of the inside. Thank you. Any more? Okay. Worship. So I think we're sort of starting to circle around here and say the same thing over, so it's good. Any, any additional or, yeah, or maybe you have another way you want to say something that was said that's completely fine. Heaven, okay. I maybe get into that a bit deeper later on, but uh, it's made me think of the verse actually in Psalm as I study this Psalm 139 verse 14 I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well maybe I'll just let that pause for a minute and we'll come back to it so review I told you in in this subject that at least some I think all this is I said at least once some of them twice the Bible gives us what what are, what are things that we get from the Bible to live by what do we call those I think I used two words. Thank you. Truth, of course, the things that are clearly spelled out. Uh, love your enemies. And then there's also the principles of how you do that is don't necessarily sue your neighbor, even though he argues about the boundary line fence or whatever it would be. 
So truth and principle. On what should convictions be based? Should you have convictions, number one? How many think it would be good to have convictions? Anyone? Okay, good. So what are you basing them on? Or should you be? Sometimes we get some other things wrapped up, perhaps. Truth and truth principles again, right? So it's easy. If you could answer the one, you got the other. Does truth need an application? Absolutely. And uh, who can tell me what, is, uh, what a trajectory is? Trajectory. Remember what trajectory? I'm sorry. Somebody started. Be brave and start again. Direction of travel. Okay. So the interesting thing about trajectory is we don't necessarily start at the same spot, do we? But if, even if my friend and I are target practicing, we use tra the word trajectory a lot in shooting, whether it be bows, guns, whatever. We're not usually starting at 100% the exact same spot, but we're shooting at the same target, right? And so we may have a slightly different trajectory, but we're still headed to the same place if we're shooting at the same target. So think of trajectory, direction of travel. Where am I going with what I'm doing, especially thinking of music right now? Uh, spectrum. Who's going to give me a definition of spectrum? Okay, a continuous sequence of range from, we could say on your, if you drive a vehicle, you know, you've got full and you've got empty. Most of our gas gauges would likely be in a spectrum between full and empty, right? And there again, thinking of music, we're thinking of uh, probably have evil on one hand, good on the other, and probably... There's some music that is very distinctly one or the other, but there's a lot of spectrum between, which is probably where this battle is really fought, more than that, uh, just that, yeah, we go from one to the other. Okay, what is diet? Remember that word diet? I gave that to you last time I talked about this. It's a little different than what I thought it was, so you remember what it was, what, how it was? I'm sorry, something you eat? Oh, something you feed on. Okay, thank you. And that was where it was a little different, as I think of diet as sort of denial, a uh, certain, you know, cutting back. And while it can involve that diet, if you remember, is habitual nourishment, something regularly consumed, provided and experienced repeatedly. Uh, and we use the uh, illustration of ice cream or Mountain Dew or something. Uh, you know, I don't know, we could argue about whether a little bit hurts you or not. We probably have a variety of opinions on that, but we probably all would agree that if you have an overwhelming diet of one or the other all the time, you're going to sooner or later have some effects from it, right? Okay, now here's the next one I want to put. Elements of music. Can you help me with that one? I think we had uh, five of them. Okay, you might have to hang on a minute here so I can keep up. So let's do one, two, three, four, five. Make sure here that I can't see that quite on my sheet at once. Yeah, that's right. Did you say lyrics? Okay, let's start at the bottom or with number, what I had number five. That's great. Let's see if we can fill the others in. I'm sorry? Rhythm. Uh, I'm going to have to keep my order the same too. I'll get all mixed up. Okay. Okay, good. Either somebody's got real good memories or they uh, wrote it down. So either way, good job. 
Okay. I'm going to spend just a lot of time on this, but uh, rhythm is other words we could use, and the way I'm using that is meter, timing, beat. It's where we talk about things like normal rhythm, a syncopation. Uh, a lot of different music types or genres would have their own, some to some degree, their own uh, rhythm, actually. They talk about a blues, jazz, rock. Keep going. Tempo. Uh, we have how fast or how slow. Like I told you last time, most songs fall be somewhere between 60 to 120 beats per minute. And here's something I found interesting in doing further research. They gave expert musicians, they gave them a song to say how fast it should be sung. I think, as I understand, it must have been on a computer or something where they could... Um, adjust it fast or slow to where it, they thought it was right for the mood that they wanted the song to have like the and so the musicians like the experts did this and then they also had seven-year-old children do it and the funny thing was that they ended up with the exact same result uh, so that wasn't worldwide necessarily that was semi similar cultures so the expectation of speed probably were similar in a seven-year-old as in the expert so to speak at the same time, it's sort of intriguing. And one thing I would like to suggest to you is tempo, I think, is something we often overlook and maybe don't really consider. And I'll probably, at least if you bear with me, I may get onto some of these a bit more. But consider tempo when you sing a song. Um, for example, you can dash through Amazing Grace and spoil the song, can't you? At the same time, you can do, what's that called? Schlowweiss. Did I say that right? And you can sort of uh, mess it up, too. Uh, for those of you that didn't know what I just said, that uh, was my attempt, at least at German, for when they sing real slow like they do in some uh, old order church services. I uh, didn't say that, not at all mocking, just think, because I tell you what, I was, have been in one or two of those services, and uh, about the time they got to the end of the first verse, I thought the song was done. Uh, and I don't know the effect on me, and that's my problem, not theirs, is that it about puts me to sleep uh, I just maybe my attention span is too short but it takes them so long to get a word out and I yeah I get all lost especially being not so fluent on the language so tempo has a big effect at the same time like I said you can do it too slow or too fast and different songs are meant for different speeds and I think sometimes we get personality mixed up in there but be aware of how you sing how the tempo plays a part there harmony that's the pitch and you know we use pitch all the time um some people talk high, some talk low. Uh, this pitch, harmony, melody, the various tones coming together to form a harmonious sound. Uh, then we also have the chords in there. And uh, somebody told me last time, they said I sort of enjoyed it until you got started talking about chords and stuff. Then I started, uh, couldn't go there. So anyways, I won't bother you too much with that today. Uh, then we have together rhythm, tempo, and harmony make what I'm going to call dynamics, the tone and timbre of the music. Color would be another way to describe it, loud or soft, anticipatory or broken, happy or sad. You know, you have sad usually is more of a slower tempo. Happy is usually somewhat faster. Marching has a real distinct accent and so on. So the combination of rhythm, tempo, harmony, and dynamics can be expressed with voice, with instruments, or with a combination of voice and instruments. And again, today, this message is... I'm not really entering into the thing of voice and instruments. I'm talking about music as such. Then we have lyrics, the words. 
the message. Of course, you can have music without words, so to speak, whether it's humming or somebody playing a piano, for instance. At the same time, what's fascinating is if that tune has ever had, had words with it, have you ever noticed how you know what words go where? Uh, if somebody hums or somebody plays, uh, it's, it's amazing. You know exactly what the words go with that song if you've heard it many times at all. Okay, so that was a quick uh, rehash there. Let's move on. Why do we as people sing? Why do we as people sing? Uh, I'm going to jump ahead in my notes here a little bit. I was trying to decide where to do some of this. I like to think of music, good music, of course, as something, I think Johnny sort of alluded to that, as part of heaven that begins on earth. You ever thought about that? Uh, and I sort of also alluded to this in the past time, and I think I asked you, what are two things we do now that we'll do in heaven, remember? And uh, what I had down was love. We get to love now, and that continues in heaven, and sing. And so to me, I like to think of that parallel there is to some degree love, God's love for us, and also the ability that he has given us to love others. Have you thought about that? That's a little foretaste of heaven, right? I don't think there's one person here that says they don't want to be loved by at least somebody, right? It's what gives joy, meaning, pleasure to life. Because without love, <laughs> it'd be bad. Uh, it makes me think of a saying I have in my notes here. I forgot it, not in my sermon notes. How was it? I don't know if I can pull this out, but anyway, the, the thought was um, love is, makes you very vulnerable, but without it, you can't live. So uh, it's one of those things. And uh, in drawing a parallel to music, I also think of music as a gift that God has given us that continues throughout eternity and, and good, good music now, of course, being a bit of foretaste of heaven. It will be, of course, be enhanced and taken to a different level there. And what's interesting is, as I studied music, music actually is a real conundrum for evolutionists. I didn't realize that till I was doing this study. It's like, what in the world? Uh, from Charles Darwin to the present day, people that want to discount creation have difficulty explaining why music speaks so strongly to a human being. Uh, I've ran into it a number of times now. As they like, uh, they can't really explain it. Maybe it's just humans copying nature. Uh, and anyway, they go on all sorts of crazy ideas. You know, to me, thankfully, believing that God created man and put us here with a purpose, I don't have that difficulty. I just say that God created me and created music, and so therefore he created me with a love for music, and that's good enough. I'm not that I won't get a bit more technical on how it affects us, but that to me is so awesome that God, the creator of the universe, created the orderliness of music and has given us the ability to appreciate that orderliness and to actually enjoy it in a positive way. What's interesting about the fallen world around us is while they can't, when they start running their minds, this, this, their wise, the wisdom of this world starts running their minds on why people like music, they get fogged up. At the same time, they turn around and misuse music. <laughs> it's sort of strange, but... You know, that's how human beings are. Um, so backing up to why do we, as people, sing? I split this into four things, and I'm not saying you couldn't do this. I think I've got my bases covered. Would welcome your feedback. But why we sing? I'd say we sing for four reasons. 
And the first one was mentioned, worship. Um, just read two verses. Why don't you listen to these? Ephesians 5, verse 18 through 21 says this, And be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So I don't know. Maybe I'm drawing a wrong parallel. But most people that I have met that drink in excess drink because they want to feel good, right? So let's sort of think of that as we look at this verse. And be not drunk with wine. In other words, don't go to wine to find happiness, to find forgetfulness or satisfaction, but be filled with the Spirit. Go to God and be filled with Him. And the result of being filled with the Spirit is speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, thankfully, I've not had to deal with just a lot of drunken people, but I have seen a few. And one thing that they often do is sing, you know, some of them, and sing loud and, and stupid, stupidly, of course, too. And, you know, to me, it's interesting that he uses this, don't be drunk with wine, don't go there, but be filled with the Spirit. But then as you're filled with the Spirit, speak to yourselves, and I would say also to others around you, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then he connects, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. Uh, all connected with thanksgiving and being filled with the Spirit. And as such, I really like, uh, I didn't agree with everything uh, Mr. Pastor down in Louisiana said a couple of Sundays ago, but he said one thing that sort of intrigued me, and I would agree with him 100%. He said that, um, let's see if I can put this back together for sure. He made the comment that not everybody can sing, even though he thought he was pretty good. And then he made the comment, but all of us, all of you can make noise. And that's true. Um, all of you can make noise. And so just don't sit here and say, well, I'm not musically inclined. And when Joe gets into talking, it sounds like gibberish to me. Uh, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, quoting from Psalms, right? Uh, do your best. I'm not saying you have to drown out somebody, uh, try to drown out people. But at the same time, don't be scared to sing. I would really encourage this. Uh, one of the people I interviewed for this series of messages told me, he said, he feels one problem we have is that we don't sing enough. And he said, as he talked to different composers alive today you would know some of them I'm not gonna go down the list but he asked him so what group do you like to listen to and he said the interesting thing was for most of them they said they don't they thrive on actually writing and singing about what God has done for them and their focus isn't really on listening but it's on doing and I'm not just to be clear, I'm not anti-recordings necessarily but I'd have wondered if our musical things have suffered because it's so easy to let somebody else do it while we listen rather than being a participant. Now that said, you know, using a recording to learn a song or to sing along, I don't necessarily, if I was just to sing the songs I knew, I'd be somewhat restricted. Whereas if I have a, uh, listened to it as I drive, I can sing some songs accompany along. And I don't think that's all negative, just to be clear. At the same time, whether it's in the broader culture or whether it's in our churches, I would suggest that probably we sing less than before there was the ability to record and replay, don't you think? Because if you wanted to enjoy music, you had to make it, or somebody around you did. Whereas today, I think it's just easy to let the machine make the noise, and we just 
sort of try to benefit. And I, I would say we're losing some of the benefit when we do that. Anyway, real quick yet, Hebrews 13, verse 15, by him, that is Christ, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So in thinking about worship, it would be great if the reason we sing was always to worship God. I'm talking mankind now. The problem is, well, let's not start with others. Don't, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have worshipped something other than God at one point in your life? How many of us still struggle with that at times? Guess what? What I worship is what I sing about, whether that's myself, whether it's lifestyles that I see around me, whether it's choices, whether it's evil, and praise God, whether it's God. But what we worship, I'm going to suggest, is something we tend to sing about a lot. And as I did research, I was doing some research that I probably wouldn't necessarily encourage some people to do. It's astonishing to me what people write songs about. And I'm convinced a lot of it comes back to what they really worship, if you want to use that word. What they really are wanting in their life. And it probably goes to the listeners, too. Um, how many of you are familiar with the term Swifties? There's a singer a couple years younger than I am that she's been around a long time. I can still remember walking into Walmart years ago in Kentucky and these full-size things of her, Taylor Swift. And she's sort of, I don't know, seems like she faded a bit maybe, but now she's back full force doing world tours and whatnot all. And so her fans are called Swifties. And um, not really to get into her music, but, you know, the things she's expressing and the things she says, I really believe come down to what's important to her, don't you? I think so. And uh, that's finally with her and God. At the same time, I don't think I could go to one of her concerts for various reasons, but one being what's worship there. Okay. Second thing I have is that we sing for is for expression, which was also mentioned. And it's interesting to me that the Bible actually condones this, uh, if you want to say it that way, encourages it. James chapter 5, verse 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry or full of cheer? We would say, let him sing songs. Then he goes on and says, if you're sick, let him call for the elders of the church. But uh, we're actually told to use singing as a method of expressing what's in our heart. Are you feeling cheerful? Express it. Sing. Come on. Let it out. Uh, and you know, those expressions, again, have a variety in music. We have, of course, love adoration again hopefully of god as a christian but uh i mean you don't have to get into no very much at all about country music country western music is well, there's a lot of love in there too and it's not necessarily love of god is it um get what i mean uh, anyway love adoration joy faith thankfulness but there's also as you get into especially some genre genres of music there's hatred anger bitterness lust i mean some of that music I don't even know. I mean, I guess it, if you put yourself into that influence, it grows on you. But some of them, they sound flat angry or it'd scare me. If a fellow came up to me and talked in the tone of voice they're singing, and I'd probably feel like running. Uh, 
And yet, that's an expression of what's within very much, con closely connected to worship. It's an expression. And this third one is very closely connected. Maybe I should have combined a few of these. Is for emotional influence. Uh, and I'll expand on this. I think it's expressing what the singer themselves mean to. Or just call it emotional influence. At the same time, they're not only expressing what's in their own heart. Some of them, I would dare say, maybe not all, are actually seeking to influence you into their way of thought, thinking, right? Some of the stuff they write, there's no question in my mind that's what they're doing. Uh, and so when you sing for emotional influence, that could be done in a positive way. You could do it to soothe, to relax someone. Uh, I had to think of uh, David playing his harp for Saul. Isn't that what he was doing? I don't know if how much of a choice it was, but he was playing music to influence Saul's mood, uh, so to speak. Uh, there's also, of course, to excite, to encourage, to discourage. Uh, here's something interesting uh, that I've stumbled across. Not at all saying this is Bible truth, but something to think about. Uh, in the, the commercial world, they have discovered that if they play a song that makes you feel empty or hopeless and run an advertisement after that song, you will tend to buy that product that's advertised simply because it makes you feel as if the answer to that hopelessness within the song would be based on buying this object. Think about that for a minute. They're trying to sway you emotionally. That's what they're doing. Absolutely, for commercial reasons in that case. It makes the listener feel like the product being promoted will help salve or solve the hopeless longings of life. In fact, uh, uh, again, I didn't do a lot of research. I left somebody else do this. But according to him, a lot of the uh, country western music is... Talks of broken relationships, lost loves, on and on. And he says a lot of that is because of the commercial demand, for, because they, they're supported by the advertisement that runs afterwards. Okay, and then the last one I have here uh, is number four is as an art form. Or as a, yeah. Where now the focus perhaps isn't really worship, isn't really, to some degree, it's probably still an expression. Maybe not really trying to emotionally influence anyone, but they're just singing because they want to. Uh, it's an expression of art, a little bit like a painter or a builder, somebody making something that they take pride in. And as such, uh, another word I would have had, art form, uh, maybe, I'm not saying all expression of art is wrong. I don't feel it is. But I think, let's just say it this way, I think you can fairly quickly cross over, when that's your goal, into a talent show, right? Where you're trying to show what you can do. So I'm not necessarily saying if God has given you a gift of music, you love arranging notes, you love singing. I'm not saying necessarily, I guess for myself, I'm not going to suggest, I think it's great when you can integrate worship. I'm not going to say every moment has to be a worshipful experience necessarily. Make sure what you're expressing, whether intended or unintended, is something you want to express. 
And if you're emotional, you probably are emotionally influencing people whether you like it or not. So make sure that's, again, a positive. If you do it as an art form, though, I'm not going to say you can't, but I'd say be careful. Because as soon as you cross the line into, uh, what's the other phrase I use there? A talent show. I think you knocked the opportunity for worship out, didn't you? If it's about me and how well I can do in proving my point to someone else, I don't. I think worship's going to get pretty far distance from it, because it, to me, the talent show for sure enters into the thing of pride. And again, I say this gently, just something to consider: whether it's if you're blessed with the ability of, are very musically inclined. God bless you. Uh, use it to be a blessing. At the same time, remember that it's very easy for us as humans to use the gifts God gives us to direct attention away from God and to ourselves. And that becomes a problem. And I've wondered, for instance, I guess personally, and maybe this is a pet thing, I don't know. But I wondered where the influence comes to post. Uh, why do so many singers have to put a picture of themselves on their cover? Where does, why do I, if God has given me the ability to sing, how would you like if I would hand out... Uh, I've I'd had requests actually for some of these messages on music from others. So should I print, uh, spin off a CD and put a picture of me on it and hand it out? I mean, wouldn't you wonder what, what Joe was trying to do? And maybe it's nice to see how people sing so you know whether they're safe to listen to. I don't know, maybe that's the purpose. But uh, it's just something intriguing thought I've noticed, and it's definitely spilled over into our Mennonite circles. As I guess I just, a random thought. Think about it. Let me know what you think. Um, okay. So what is music? Again, I had answered that a bit. Is music simply a form of communication? Uh, many musicians like to say this. This is a quote from not necessarily one. Music is a universal language. That's something that's very common, at least in the world. Is that true? Is music the universal language? While it is true in the sense that most of us based, I just told, talked about tempo, how the speed of a song sort of dictates how we feel about whether it's sad or happy and all that. So to that extent, it is fairly universal in that we can pick up. At the same time, music isn't necessarily just a language. It's more than communication. It's an expression. As an expression, I would suggest to you that music expresses the spirit and its longings. Whether we're talking, singing out of hymns of the church, or whether you're into some of the hard stuff that this world has to offer, guess what? Both types of songs are actually expressing the longing of a heart, spiritual longing. I hope this book is helping us express a longing for God, His Word, His work in us. With some of the others expressing a longing to have the power of darkness at work in their life. And it's, it's not far out there. It's right there. Some pretty severe stuff that way. Um, it's an expression. It also is an expression of emotion, of my mental and emotional, be it joyful, peaceful, restful again, confused, chaotic, troubled. And it also involves the physical in the hearing and somewhat feeling of music. So in these expressions, or because of these expressions, it would seem to me that the influence of music lies in the expression. As I express worship by my music, 
It does something to me, right? Is it going to? Of course. Whether I'm worshiping God, I'm worshiping evil is a big deal. As I express the longings of my heart, whether it is near my God to thee, near to thee, or whether it's some, anyway, stuff I can't even say here that I stumbled across in doing this research, it's an expression of what I really want to do. And with that emotion comes the emotional influence of either being surrendered to God. Of course, being surrendered to God is far more than emotional emotion. I get that. At the same time, my emotions can either back that up or they can lead me into sin, into desiring what isn't for me. And of course, as an art form, we covered that one, so I'll let that. Okay, so I'd like to talk about packaging a little bit. What's the purpose of packaging, anyone? Okay, make an item attractive. What else? Okay, protect it. So a couple, I don't know, a couple months ago, whatever it was, I bought a number of things that came in these boxes, not just for me, but for others. So if I had to come to you or to anyone else, and I've been all excited, I said, look, do you see my nice box? And you're like, nice box. Well, yeah, but that's not why this box would be exciting, is it? If I would hand you this box, would you just, that's a really pretty box, take it home and sit on your desk and think and pray for Joe every time you saw your box. Is that what you would do? No, you'd stop right there. I actually bought Johnny a box like this. Is that where you should stop? <laughs> uh, no, the first thing you would say, well, Joe, that's not about the box. What's in it? Is it, uh, well, it looks sort of like it might be a phone. So, you know, is it Android? Is it iPhone? What is it? And I'd say, well, it says iPhone right here, but, you know, I don't really care about that. I, I just have a nice box. You would say I got some screws loose somewhere, wouldn't you? Uh, packaging serves a purpose. Yes, in retail, you want to package, at least if you have people walking in the stores or opening the box that they're excited to see and like, ah, yeah, you know what? I need to go to the next step. Or you want it to protect the thing, too. At the end of the day, though, this box has totally defeated the purpose of what I was made for if I never take the lid off and get the phone out, right? If the package becomes a hindrance to me using what's inside, guess what? As long as I take care of this box, that can last quite a while, couldn't it? Do you think Apple would have much expectation of setting, selling me another phone if all I was after was the box and I could set this box on my phone or on my desk and be happy for next 10 years? You know, it, it wouldn't serve a purpose. Finally, at the end of the day, that package is there for a time as a to transport the thing, at the end of the day, it can't get in the way. So let me ask you this. As we think of music as packaging in some, to some degree, it serves a useful and needed purpose. But when the music itself becomes the focus, rather than the message within the music, have I, am I, have you done, have I done anything different than if I would just let the iPhone in the box and become obsessed with my box? Can anybody tell me what uh, Johann Sebastian Bach said about music? I quoted him last time I talked about this. Anybody want to try that one? That's fine. The aim and final end of all music should be none other than the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul. 
To me, that's been blessing me a lot as I think about this. I'll just read it again. The aim and final end of all music should be none other than the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul. So in thinking about that, at what point, let's look at this list now. Thinking of rhythm, tempo, harmony, dynamics, lyrics. I don't think you have to totally understand all of these, because I don't even, to be honest with you. If I had to totally tell you what these mean, I'd be in trouble too. But as you think of the package that music is, at what point does music get hijacked? You know what hijack means, right? If you're on an airplane or in a car, you get hijacked. Somebody with force comes and takes over and takes you places you didn't want to go. So at what point does music get hijacked? Is it in the rhythm? Is it in tempo? Is it in harmony? Is it in dynamics? Or is it in lyrics? Anybody want to tell me? Okay, somebody else start to say something? Okay. Okay. Y'all are thinking, good. Uh, let's drop that for just, or hold it for a minute. Uh, can or does evil create anything new? No, okay. Evil only contorts and distorts to selfish ends the good that God created. So music, and thinking of the package of music, let's forget genres and all that, just music as a whole can be hijacked at which element all five right yeah of course you can hijack rhythm you can hijack tempo we talked about that harmony dynamics or lyrics you could take over and misuse it at any level interestingly i think especially in our circles we tend to often think of music going wrong in the lyrics or the words and that's true. It's not that I'm taking that away. At the same time, it's not the only way to hijack it. Now, I don't, maybe this is a poor illustration, but I have an uncle who grew up in a World Order Mennonite setting. And uh, they did not live good lives as youth. And yet, they would have barn dances and stuff, and guess what they danced to was gospel tunes, gospel songs. So they hijack them in a way. They misused, that's what they had access to, that's what they knew, so they would use it for other purposes, right? So you can hijack it. Just because the words are good doesn't say, and the other thing, I thought of, uh, I was going to get, I just ran out of time on some of this, but it's very common in, uh, I don't know, Christian contemporary or some of that, to actually take words that you already would know and put it to a completely different tune, and it sounds... Anyway, uh, I might play some of that for you in a future time, at least in a basic level. But it, the words, technically the message you could say is the same, but the feel is sure different. Um, okay. So enough of that for maybe, why does music move us? How does music speak to us? Let's dig into this a bit. I'm not going to go into the parts of music so hard, so please don't glaze over on me here. 
Um, another review question is, would you say man, woman, are simple or complex creations? Anyone? Okay. Took you fellows a little bit on that one. I wasn't sure if you just thought I should say women, you would say complex and you are going to be simple or what this was, but anyway. Um, I would agree. I think we all are, whether we feel like it or not. So we all have a physical aspect, right? It relates by sight, by sound, by touch, by taste, by smell. We also have an, the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects, which are frankly difficult to separate, even though we can try. And those have their specific characteristics. So let me open your Bibles to Matthew 15. And as you're doing that, when the Bible speaks of our heart, is it speaking of physical, of mental, emotional, or spiritual aspect? Anybody want to tell me? Matthew 15. I'll give you a verse after you answer my question. So when the Bible speaks of our heart, is it talking of our physical, of our mental, emotional, or spiritual aspects? Okay. <laughs> well, good. Y'all are thinking that's all we can ask for, right? So let's read Matthew 15, verse 16 through 20. Matthew 15, verse 16. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding, talking to his disciples? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast into the draught? So I think we understand this, right? What I go and eat for lunch today goes in my mouth, goes through my belly, in a day or two it's gone, right? It's maybe the desire I had for it or whatever would be a spiritual aspect, but the thing itself is finished, done with. Nobody wants to ever see that again. But now let's go on to Matthew 8, verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Now what's interesting is that what my mouth expresses therefore, especially in unguarded moments, is really the reality of my heart, isn't it? Isn't that what he's saying? If you want to know Joe... You don't necessarily observe what he eats so much. Sometimes that can be a small, but what he is either eats or has eaten, but what you observe is what comes out of his mouth is a sign of what's in his heart. And that comes in speech, and that also comes forth in song. While I agree with I think we could say on the heart, that's a bit like I just told you before I asked, because it's very hard to separate some of these. But in the context here, as he's talking about the heart, it would seem to me the heart speaks and sings from the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspect of man. What is going on in my spiritual life, what is happening in the way I feel towards you, what is happening in my thought life, will have an expression in my words and in what I sing, the music I like. What we say and what we sing comes from within and displays who we really are. 
Now I'm going to read some things from some people that I don't necessarily, how shall I say, I'm not holding up a standard of truth, but I do find it interesting their perception and where they are. So there's a Karen Schrock, she's an editor in Scientific American. Listen to this. She says, I have spent some of the most moving, moving moments of my life engaged in song. As a college student, my eyes would often well up with tears during my twice-a-week rehearsals. And interesting. I would really love to know what song she was singing because it probably would tell you a lot about what was dear to her heart if she was crying about it. She didn't tell me that in this writing. I would feel relaxed and at peace, yet excited and joyful, and I would occasionally experience a thrill so powerful that it sent shivers down my spine. I also felt connected with fellow musicians in a way I did not with friends who did not sing with me. Now, she said a lot. I don't know whether she actually realized what all she was saying. Maybe I can let that list. So how or why does music speak to us? Actually, I don't think I'll take time to write it up. But music speaks to the package of our being, of who we are. Let me follow with my thoughts here just a minute if you can. I'll try to do my best to be clear. But music speaks in a different way from what just words do. As you listen to me speak right now, your acceptance or rejection of what I say is based on two things, I believe. First of all, your feelings and attitudes about me as a person will influence how you feel about what I'm saying. If I have a left something fester between me and you, or I have an attitude about you that you're aware of, it's going to be hard to accept what I say. The second thing, as you listen to me speak, is your feelings and attitudes about what I say, right? So when you hear, when you're talking, you're actually analyzing what I say in two fronts. First of all, you're trying to decide what I think about Joe. Is he worth listening to? Is he just wasting my time again? Is he just a jerk? Or is he a good Christian brother? You're analyzing how that, not necessarily consciously, but subconsciously, and secondly, you're, you're analyzing, trying to see whether you agree with my views of music or not. So when you listen to me speak, you're in what we would call an analytical state of mind somewhat. Now, it's not that that part shuts down when you listen to music, but something funny happens. I'll get to that in a minute. So in this way, you will be quite analytical about hearing the spoken word. Emotion doesn't really play a huge role in the process of listening to me preach. Unless you have some very strong emotions about me or about something I say. Are you with me here? So if you feel very negative about me, you will have some emotions about my preaching. <laughs> because you've got emotion. It's not emotion that I necessarily inspired in the moment by what I said. But it's because of previous and this isn't fitting anyways. That's why it's, you know, at ordinations they tell... The, the fellow that his wife should be his greatest critic, but if my wife feels emotionally good around me, she's a terrible critic, ain't she? Because she always likes what I say no matter what. So there you go. So let's take this a step further. Let's say that 
in this subject, probably not as apt on this one as some, but let's say I would get very emotional about the subject, your response to that emotion would be in direct correlation or connection with how you felt and viewed me and my subject. It would be what I would call a felt emotion more than an inspired emotion. Could you follow me that far? If I got really emotional, it's not saying you wouldn't experience emotion, but if you experience emotion, it'd be one that you felt because of how you either previously felt about me or what I said. It's not something I really inspired just right now. If you don't care too much for me and my thoughts, at this point, you probably are doing this if you have this with me. You are internally, of course, we're good Mennonites, we don't do it externally. You sort of sigh internally and roll your eyes like, when's Joe going to get done on this little rant about emotion? Got me? On the other hand, if I'd be gifted enough to where I could have somehow arranged this message into verses of song and put notes to it and have it well organized and musically pleasing and I'd be up here with a mic and I'd be singing it to you. To some degree, I would bypass that analytical part of your brain and go straight to your emotional receptors. So one side of your brain processes more analytical. This is, doesn't matter, gender, whatever. Well, the other side is more based on emotion. And what's interesting is the reason this happens in the research I've done is it's not that the analytical part of your brain shuts down, but it's that the analytical part gets absorbed with appreciating the music and in trying to find the symmetry in the notes. This is all unconscious. And so that part of your brain actually gets so busy listening to the notes it forgets to listen to what I say. And so then you're more open to it because emotionally you're interested in it. Anyways, I'll stop on that. How about that? Well, I said I stop. I'm going to try to go a little bit deeper on a different front. Okay, number two, music affects and speaks to the package of emotion and thought. Again, I'm reading from Scientific American. Music's simultaneous activation of diverse brain circuits produces some remarkable effects. Instead of facilitating a largely sem semantic dialogue, oof, Let's just say, instead of uh, starting a process of understanding and logic as language does, music inspires an emotional response. When a composer writes a lamentation or a toddler exuberantly bangs out a rhythm on a pot, that person is not only revealing his or her own emotional state, but causing listeners to share in those feelings. Do you follow me? So... I mean, okay. Even the best researchers say we can't totally separate music and speech. So to some degree, you will have some, but music is much better at drawing you in and bringing you along with the emotions the person, the writer wants you to have than it is a speaker or a writer in words. Let's say it that way. Steve Pinker, again, not necessarily somebody I'm recommending in full, but he made an interesting observation in his book, How the Mind Works. He says, music is auditory cheesecake. Now, most of you know what cheesecake is. I don't know if you know what auditory is, but it means listening. Uh, music is auditory cheesecake. In other words, it's luxury, it's special, it's not something, yeah. A confection crafted to tickle the areas of the mind. 
As a result, music seems to offer a novel system of communication rooted in emotions rather than meaning. Oosh. So basically what they're telling us is that, if, like us again, if I could sing this message to you, you would be a lot less, is Joe right, than if I, than if I preach. And that's probably a good thing about preaching because I actually want you to think, not just to accept lemonade from me. So that's all fine. So I'm going to try to break this down fairly quickly. The brain's auditory cortex, there's a part of your brain, and I'm not going to split right and left and all that for you, but the, you have a part of your brain dedicated to hearing, processing the sounds that you hear, whether they're high, they're low, angry, soft, kind, gentle, whatever. So the first, as, as you hear a song, the first part goes to your auditory con cortex and you begin listening. And uh, on the basic sense, that's where you catch pitch and some of that. Uh, then it goes on to the secondary auditory uh, area where it digests the more complex music patterns such as harmony and rhythm. And so what happens in music for some of you that aren't so musically inclined, it's not many, but there's some people that can't hear the difference in pitch. And so the rest of music is a little bit difficult for them because they can't. And that's because they're missing one of the first parts in it. And if God made you that way, accept yourself and God bless you in some other way. Well, it's interesting, there was a man that was very deep into music and he had a bike accident conked on his head and uh, hurt his, um, uh, I'm not sure if I can say this word now. I tried so hard to make sure I knew how to say this brain part now. Amygdala, I think I got it. Uh, he went and damaged his amygdala. Uh, and uh, he, just music was just take it or leave it, didn't care for it anymore. And it's because that the emotional part that connected him to music, they don't know quite how. The brain's so wonderful, even though they talk about parts and pieces, they're really too dumb to tell us how it works at the end of the day. And anyway, he was damaged enough that that part just no longer made a connection. And to him, he went from being obsessed with music to caring less about it all because of toppling off his bike. Um, so music, interestingly enough, activates part of the brain involved in listening. And then also the part in understanding and producing language, because it does involve words. What I told you earlier is though the analytical part somewhat gets absorbed, and you, can, you have choice in all this, I'm not trying to say. When I do research, I can choose to listen to the words, right? But if I just numb down and listen to anything that comes, that I, just the next one on the playlist, so to speak, uh, I won't necessarily analyze. And it's because my brain is busy understanding the music and forgets to comprehend the words, so to speak, if I was to keep it simple. Um, music involves and occupies the analytical, re well, I said that, sorry, let me skip on to the next one. Music connects strongly to our limbic system. Uh, that's the part of the brain where we're concerned about basic survival functions and how we feel about them. Now, it's I'm getting hungry and I hope Joe finishes up or I'm tired or Whatever, that's all occurring in your limbic system. Basically, the very basic needs of man and reproduction would be in the limbic system. It's a very core. And what's interesting is researchers cannot tell us why music speaks to the limbic system because realistically it shouldn't. How many of you would die if we didn't play music for you? I don't think one of you would, would you? At the same time, it's speaking to the part of your brain where you think you would, so to speak. And it was very odd. It's just one of those mysteries of the way God made us that doesn't really make sense to researchers because here music is speaking to a part of the brain that technically shouldn't deal with anything but very core basic human things. So anyways, 
Like I said, the music also connects strongly to our amygdala, the part of the brain that processes our emotion. That's not too hard to say or understand. Interestingly, both the limbic system and the amygdala have very strong connections to, guess what, memory. And so that basically means that when you listen to a song, and I just was just demonstrate again, there's variation in people, but the youngest individual of our household, to our knowledge, heard a song one time and was singing it. Why was it? It's because the core, just the basic survival thing, heard this music, and the amygdala, the emotional, and I think she's maybe a bit more gifted than some of us in that, and it just, there it was. It's like, how in the world did you do this? Definitely stronger in some than others, but... There's oftentimes, have you ever sat in a singing and somebody picked a song, or maybe you picked a song, and suddenly you just had this, you just knew you were somewhere, sometime, someplace singing this song. I don't know, it happens to me different times. And it's because of that whole process of memory, and it just, you, you, we use the word transports you back in time or something, you know, and it just connects all that together. Music inspires and directs emotion. I told you that earlier when Saul, uh, David played for him. And I'd say try it for yourself. Are you having a, just a bad day? Maybe that's time to use a recording. I just can't find a song in your heart. Put something on that uh, is really seriously praising God and then sing along with your heart even if you don't feel like it and see if it don't change. It does for me. Um, in inspiring and directing e this emotional process, music helps release. I'm not going to say it does on its own, but it, it leads your body to releasing endorphins which are basically feel-good chemicals, I'm going to call them, which elevate mood and help us feel physically better. How about that? So as you listen to music and your brain starts responding to it, it actually takes you out of the problems you're facing, the things, and it begins to actually make you physically feel better because of the chemicals it releases in your brain. Again, uh, out of Scientific American, Upbeat, tense, or exciting music can be physically excite the listener, triggering a body's fight or flight response. That's what happens in the, that basic limbic system. The heart and breathing rates increase. A person may break out in sweat and adrenaline enters the bloodstream. Have you ever seen that in town? I have. When they're there... They're jumping around and watch them drive. Actually, it's, I don't like to be too close to them sometimes because well, it's because it's have their music is having a physical effect on their breathing, their heart rate, and actually releasing adrenaline into their body. This pumping up effects explains why so many people enjoy listening to rock or hip hop while they work out. The music primes them physiological excuse me primes the physiological systems needed for a high energy movement very evident but it says it doesn't stop there music has a psychological effect distracting them from the strenuousness of their activity and making the exercise fun so as you get yeah anyways that's why it, the, don't go to gym but i drive past one different times you know it's interesting watch a lot of those people have stuff in their ears and stuff. It's because it's part of their workout thing, and they feel better the whole way around when they listen to music. Going on, the other music, such as classical, is calming, reducing the levels of stress hormone cortisol in the blood, lowering heart rate and respiration, thus helping to alleviate pain. 
The classical example of this anxiety-reducing effect is a mother soothing her baby to sleep with a lullaby. So what? A person with a fussy baby didn't sing to them or hum to them or something. And it's that process of using music to communicate that you're safe, you're secure, just relax, just go to sleep. And so music can do both. Uh, music connects people in moments. We unconsciously connect interactions and moments in our lives to certain songs. Then we'll re-evoke this, I talked about it a bit ago, the emotions and experience. So if you have a cherished memory, you sat around the, at home and sang a lot, which, by the way, I better not do a raise of hands, but how many of you sang as a family in the last week? Shame on you if you didn't. Go get busy. Uh, make sure it should probably be something we do a couple times a week, actually. But um, we actually connect with people when we sing with them. And so years, like I told you, that uh, thing of flashback or whatever uh, comes back. Remember singing at home with dad and mom. You know, what we feel when we hear a piece of music is remarkably similar to what everybody else in the room is experiencing. So here's music is actually bonding. So, hey, there's a little bit of a stress in your marriage. Get out the songbook and say, honey, let's go sing. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, laughing does the same thing. Uh, so maybe we're good. Um, but... Uh, as you sing, did you notice what I read about this Karen Schrock when she started this thing, that she felt closer to the friends she sang with than the ones she didn't? Huh? It's because God made us that way. Because in church, if we're all here singing the same song, it's actually going to help us have better church life if we're all focused on the words. Now, if we're just droning down through the song, because it's a thing to do, forget that. But if we're all really in the worship experience, excited about serving God, it will have a drawing effect. It's one of the amazing things God has built into music. Um, almost done here. Musical rhythms facilitate certain physical interactions such as marching or dancing together, further cementing social ties. There's a lot of research, and I'm not going to wade into it, but uh, I've heard the saying, uh, families that pray together stay together, and I would suggest to you families, churches, and friends that, yes, pray and also sing together have a better experience than those that don't. Okay, music speaks to us of life. Last point on that. The way we approach life will be somewhat influenced to the music we listen to. The music we listen to, interestingly enough, will affect how we approach life. I just told you that in a different way. Here's what's interesting, and I'm not, this is not Bible truth necessarily, just some interesting thoughts to consider. But they tell me extroverted people will be more drawn to contemporary and musical to contemporary musical expression. They like something lively, something that move on. They're extroverts. They get energy from activity and stuff. So, uh, whereas more of a laid back, just a person that likes to get along with people, will be more drawn to mellow and serene musical expressions. Uh, they don't want to rock the boat. They're just something nice, something calm, something to just help me feel good about you and me. A person who feels conflict and chaos within them will find themselves drawn to music that has a similar expression. Going back to what I said about in town, you know? Why is it that one of the first things you see with somebody whipping around is you wonder if they're on drugs? Well, they may or may not be on drugs, but if they're listening to music, they are on drugs, actually, for some of them. Some of us are wired a little stronger that way than others, but there's for some people that turning on a volume and getting that flood of endorphins released in their brain has about the same effect as taking a shot in the arm. Maybe not as extreme so far as getting out of the body, but it definitely has an effect. A heart at peace and rest in Christ will delight in a musical expression of the same. 
Again, quoting Johann Sebastian Bach, the aim and final end of all music should be none other than the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul. I'd like to reread Colossians 3, verse 12 through 17, verses I read in the last message. Have therefore as the chosen of God, holy and beloved, a heart of mercy, of kindness, of humility, of mind, of meekness, of suffering long, of bearing with others, and of forgiving others, even as Christ forgave you. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which ye are also called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Amen. Let's kneel for prayer.